You know, this morning we're going to be talking about uh, answered prayer. You know, sometimes, you know, all of us have been in that place where we've prayed to God and felt like God hadn't answered our prayer. Other times we feel like God has just answered, just boom, right out of the box. And I want to get, if I can, I'm going to ask Doreen. She thought she was done, but she's not. Uh, she was sharing with me this morning about the first prayer that she ever prayed. And I want you to just come back up, Doreen, if you would, and, and just share that story quickly with the congregation. And I might just call on a couple of you others for prayer testimonies. Chad and I were living in South Carolina, and I had heard of our church the church we were just beginning to attend, having this Miracle Sunday. And they had prayed for $25,000 on Miracle Sunday. And, of course, young and immature, I thought, oh, that will never happen. There's only 60 people in the, in the congregation. So they took out the collection that day, nothing more than the normal giving. But our pastor calls us at 4, uh, four o'clock that afternoon, and he said, everyone's got to come to the celebration at church tonight, someone has anonymously given $25,000. So now, Chad and I, within a couple of months of that, his business partner had up and left in the middle of the night, taken all Chad's tools with him. And Chad went that morning to pick up, his name was Buzz, for work and finds their home, the garage, everything completely gone. And Chad's left with a large federal debt and working left, not being able to have any income. I mean, it was a very tragic, shocking situation for us. So Chad got a new job, but of course wouldn't get paid for several weeks. And pretty soon we're at almost three months out at not having, uh, between finding the job and all that. It was about a three-month period. And I thought, what, what am I going to do? And I said, okay, Lord, I've never really trusted you before. But if you meet my need, which was $1,998 to pay our bills up by the end of, interestingly enough, October, I said, I'll live for you the rest of my life. I know today God must have just smiled is that all you're asking, Doreen? <laughs> but in my commitment, I fasted for the first time in my life that week, and I just continued to pray. And the one thing that I did was I didn't tell anyone else my need. I wanted to see God meet me in a personal way. I didn't call my parents, no one. So that was on October 1st. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to put you to the test. I'm calling all of my creditors, and I'm going to tell them, with your help, I'm going to pay them up by the end of the month. I know God was smiling because he was seeing me for the first time proclaim the name of Jesus publicly. So I called all my creditors, and I said, hi, with God's help, I'll pay you up by the end of the month. Click. Hi, my name's Doreen Hanna by the end of the month. I'll pay you up to date. Click. I don't know what they thought. Nobody ever responded. They just said, uh-huh. <laughs> October 29th, by that time, my phone had been cut off. And a wonderful woman in my congregation who was, I see as my mentor, but 
She was just a wonderful friend from my perception at that time. She came to my house and she said, Doreen, I know your phone's been cut off. I'm here to say I'm taking you to choir practice with me, and then you're going to call your mother and let her know that you're all right. I said, okay. So that evening, that's exactly what we did. I get to her house, call my mother. I said, Mom, I'm, I'm fine. I know the phone's been cut off, but God's going to provide. Well, I turn around after I get off the phone, and Bill and Emily are standing in their um, um, living room there, and they, they stand like this. Doreen? I said, yes. They said, we want to tell you that God has put on our heart to give you this love gift. And um, you don't have to pay it back. That's what a love gift means, but this is for you. So I accepted it, and when I, Emily brought me home, I got in the house, and I opened up that envelope, and it was for $200. At least that's for sure what I saw on that check. And I just said, oh, God, in two days I need almost 2000 not 200 And I stomped down the hallway, and Chad says, what in the world's the matter with you? And I said, oh, Bill and Emily gave us a love gift. And I threw the envelope on the, on the bed, and Chad opens it up, and he says, honey, this check's for 2000 not 200 And I said, oh, my gosh. And I ran back to that same place, and I knelt on that couch. I said, God. I'll live for you the best I can the rest of my life because you met me where I was at. And that was my first answer to prayer. <laughs> amen. Amen and amen. All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about, does God answer everyone's prayer? And I want to, if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can follow me with just, uh, in John chapter 9. Otherwise, you can just watch it on the overhead and I want us to just uh, go to prayer for just a minute and uh, just invite uh, God to give grace this morning, give uh, grace to the speaker and grace to the hearer. And, and as we do that, I, d- I just want you to close your eyes and just think for a minute who we're really talking to. You know, the, who are we talking to? When we go to, we say we're going to go to God in prayer, who are we talking to? We're talking to the creator of the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he's given us this privilege to come to him. And Jesus says, hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So, Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, this morning. Asking you to overshadow us, Lord God. Lord, you know the needs of everyone in this congregation. You know what our thoughts are. You know uh, the intent of our heart, Lord. Uh, Father, we just ask that you would be with us this morning. That you would give us an ear to hear and an understanding heart this morning. And help us, Lord, not to only be hearers of your word, but help us to be doers. Those that are obedient to the word of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in John chapter 9, I'm going to read this entire chapter. And uh, this is an incredible chapter for a number of reasons, but it's the healing of a blind, of a blind man. And it says, as he, as uh, Jesus, 
went along, he saw a man that had been blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, a lot of times when we see bad things happen to people, we want to point the finger and say, well, they must have a lot of sin in their life, Uh, you know, otherwise these things wouldn't have happened to them. But uh, Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents But it happened, this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. What he was saying is that, you know, God's going to do a work in this blind man that everyone will see, and then in turn they will give glory to God. Maybe not everyone, but many will. He says, as long as as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work, and while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put it on the man's eyes, and he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, Siloam means, uh, it's a word that means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And his neighbors and those that had seen him begging, asking, isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, and others said, no, he looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am that man. Well, let me tell you for, I'm going to just stop here for a second and tell you why this is so significant and so important. Because in Isaiah chapter 35, you guys could just make a little note of this. Isaiah chapter 35, 5, it says that when the Messiah comes, there had never been a healing of a blind man recorded, Old Testament, New Testament. Prior to this, there had never been the recording recorded a healing of a blind man. But Isaiah chapter 35 verse 5 says that when the Messiah comes, and this is how you will be able to identify him, he will open the eyes of the blind. He will give sight to the blind. He will uh, give a hearing to the deaf. And he will cause the lame man to walk again and leap and rejoice. And so this is so significant because it's the first time that this has happened in Jesus' ministry. It's like what he's saying by opening up this guy's eyes that I am the Messiah. I mean, it's a proclamation to the world. I am the one that Israel has long waited for since the time of Genesis uh, all the way through Abraham. The promised Messiah would be coming. And then we get to Isaiah and Isaiah says, you will know him because when he shows up, He will open the eyes of the blind. And so we continue on, and it says, But he insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, That a man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Now they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind, Now the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man, talking about Jesus, is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner, listen to this, how can a sinner perform such signs. So they were divided, and they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes, uh, it was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he is a prophet. 
And they still did not believe that he had been blind and had received a sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know that this is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah was to be put out of the synagogue. That's why the parents said, he is of age, ask him. The second time they summoned the man who had been blind, give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know that this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I know, I, I, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. And they asked him, what did he do to you, and how did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've already told you, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be one of his disciples too? And then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, Now, this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Now, listen to this, guys. Listen to this, because this is the key point of my message today. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to to this they replied, You are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? They're going back because they believe that because uh, he had been born blind, obviously his parents sinned or there was some kind of sin, there was some kind of generational sin or some kind of curse that was upon this man. He says that, uh, uh, he says, to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And Jesus heard that he had been thrown out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is it, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. I'm going to go back to this key point, because all of us have had Times in our life where we prayed to God and God didn't answer our prayer. And, and the question I'm just asking today, does God answer everyone's prayer? Well, I, I want to just go back to the man's uh, statement. He says, we not live that God, this is what this uh, blind man had said, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. I want to tell you guys that I've been in this place, and I believe that maybe some of you are in this place today, where we believe that we can live any kind of life that we want. We believe that we can live in sin. We can live in adultery or fornication. We can watch pornography, that we can lie, we can steal, we can cheat. But as long as we come to church and we say our prayers that everything is going to be good and God's just going to shower out blessings upon us, I was, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was with a man, and uh, the, the guy was just screaming drunk. I mean, he was just out of his mind, passing out drunk. He said, I want to just tell you 
he says, 250 times a day my telephone rings, and every time it rings, you know, that's a business sale. And he says, I just thank God. I just thank God. And, you know, and just like, you know, that we can live any kind of life that we want to live and believe that God is going to answer our prayers. Now, let me, I'm going to share some scripture with you. Uh, so this is from uh, Psalm uh, 66, Doreen. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. This is David saying, if I would have held on to, to my sin and think that I can, you know, I can sin as much as I want, and all I got to do is just go and just kind of confess my sin to God, ask God to forgive me, and then tomorrow I can go out and do it all over again. I can sin again. You know, uh, the Bible talks about the first king of Israel. His name was King Listen. He was disobedient to the Lord. And the Bible says that because he was disobedient, he didn't listen to the Lord. Uh, he was disobedient to the word of God. That's what, the word, that's what sin is. When we are disobedient, we don't listen to the word of God. When we think that we know better than God, that we can do anything that we want, and God is just going to have to accept me as I am. Well, I tell you what, God will accept you as you are, but he will not leave you the way that you are. That's part of the plan of God is to change you, to change your heart, and, you know, that you would be purified, that you would be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But you cannot just take that at, uh, you know, at, at, at its word and say that I'm going to just do whatever I want to do, live the kind of life that I want to live, and I'm going to come to God and praise, uh, praise God, worship God. He's going to just shower me with all kind of blessings. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 9, the one who turns away his ear from hearing the law or hearing the word of God, even his prayer, listen to this, even his prayer is an abomination to God. And Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, it says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, God says, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. God said, enough, stop, please stop bringing it to me. In Hosea chapter 5, God's saying, stop your singing, stop the sacrifices, stop the offerings, because you're just going through the motions of religion, and your heart really doesn't follow me. Your heart is not after me. Remember when Jesus said that my sheep, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me? That doesn't mean that the sheep are just in step with Jesus, walking where he walks. It means that they are obedient to God and to his word. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So what the word of God is telling us is that if we're in sin, that God's, and you want to continue to live a life of sin, that God's not going to listen to your prayers. The only prayer that God is going to listen to if you're living a life of sin is the one where you come to your senses and you, you bow before your face and you repent of your sins and you ask God to forgive you of your sins. And the Bible says that that's a prayer that he will hear. He says that a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart is a sacrifice that God won't despise. So when Peter said, to that group that day that had been part of that mob that had crucified Jesus. He said, repent, repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and you will receive forgiveness of sins and you will be, re you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And so, you know, you can't. I'm just telling you, you can't. And maybe the enemy has deceived you that you can do whatever you want to do, live the kind of life that you want to do, still pray to God, and just have all the blessings to God and the favor of God in your life. And I'm telling you, it will not work. I know this from, this from experience. I mean, when I was rebellious, when I came to God, I was still living a sinful life. I was doing all the drugs that I could possibly do, all the sin. You just fill in the blank. I was doing it and still crying out to God. And uh, I would hear the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit, those of you that know me know this story. But the Holy Spirit would say to me, Ron, I want to do great things in your life, but you won't let me. The you won't let me part is that I wanted still. I wanted God and I wanted sin. And God has said, you've got to make a choice. Uh, you, you can't have me and you can't uh, and, and sin at the same time. It just won't work. It's like, you know, uh, in Corinthians it talks about the table of the Lord. And he says you can't have the table of the Lord and the table of demons at the same time. You've got to make a choice in your life. Choose this day who you will serve. That's what, uh, you know, both Moses and uh Joshua said this, choose you this day who you will serve. He says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the God. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to turn our back on this world. And I know, guys, that it's hard because, I mean, there was a, there was a struggle. There was a battle with me, you know, when, 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 when sin was present, but I was leaning towards sin. You know, I, you know, I was just like, you know, okay, God, I'll, I'll be back. You're like back. And then, you know, then you go out and do those sinful things, and then you go back over here, and you're like, God, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. Please forgive me. You know, my heart is just like grieved because I just, I seem to be locked into this. And then here comes sin, the temptation again, and I do this. And then I go away, and I'm just like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do this again. I'll never do this again. See, you, you know, you cannot quit without the power of God. You need the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to overcome sin. And if you're just trying to overcome sin, it's like making a New Year's resolution. It's good for a week or two weeks or a month maybe. But, you know, the next thing you know that the 20 pounds that you wanted to give up, you've already added another 10 pounds to it. All right? Because you're trying to do it in your own strength. So what I'm telling you, you've got to get this. I mean, if you want to live the life that God wants you to live, this is, you know, we all... The Bible says that we need to understand what the will of God is. And the will of God is for you to turn your back on sin, sinful relation, on sinful relationships, and, you know, just everything that has to do with sin. God's saying, turn your back on it. Leave it. Pick up your cross and follow me. Amen? All right, let me tell you the kind of prayer that God does answer. Someone told him, he said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, my mother and my brothers are those that hear the word of God, that hear the word of God and put it into practice. Those are my mothers. And my, that's my mother and my brothers. Proverbs uh, fifteen twenty nine: The Lord is far from the wicked. And we never think of ourselves as being wicked when we're sinning. We just think that oh, I just stumbled. I made a mistake. And we never we consider ourselves evil or we hear. But God says the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears. Listen. He hears the prayers of the righteous. I, I know that's going to trip some of you up because you look at your life and you think that you are far from righteous, but give me just a moment and I'll get to it. Psalm 34, verse 17. The eyes of the Lord, listen, are on the righteous and his ear is attentive to their prayer. 
The Lord's ear is attentive to the prayer of the righteous. Okay, it says that the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, and he delivers them from all of their trouble. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. The righteous uh, person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from from them all. So, I mean, if you've got a right relationship with God, and, you know, you know that, you know, I mean, all of us are sinners, and all of us may have some area of sin that we are struggling with, okay? But there's a difference between having a sin that you're struggling with and having a sin that you embrace. Lord, I love this. I love doing this. And, you know, and you just keep going back, and you keep going back. And you're not trying to deal with it, and you're not trying to fight it, and you're not asking God's help in overcoming your sin. It's just like, I want sin, and I want God. I mean, that's the way our nation is today, this nation that was founded on biblical principles. We want all the blessings of God. We want prosperity in our nation. We want peace in our nation. We don't want ISIS here. We don't want war. Uh, We want all the blessings of God in our nation, but we don't want God. And that's why he is out of many of our uh, colleges and many of our schools. And frankly, he's out of many of our churches in the land. It's like we're going to embrace sin. We don't care what God says. We're going to do it our way. In 2 Corinthians, I'm going to come back to this righteous thing because I know righteous, uh, because I know that some of you may be tripped up by that. Because you look at yourself and you look at your life and you look at the struggles that you're going through and, and you think, you know what, I'm not really a righteous person. I don't feel like a righteous person. I don't look or act like a righteous person. But our righteousness does not come from things that we do. It comes from things or a thing that God has done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that God made him, speaking about Jesus, who knew no sin or who had no sin, to be sin for us. So God took Jesus, this perfect Lamb of God. Remember when John the Baptist saw him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so God made him to be sin for us, so that we may be made the righteousness of God. And Paul writes in Romans, he says, But now, apart from the law, uh, the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, not by keeping the law. There's a righteousness of God that has been made known, not by the keeping of the law. It says, To which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It means it can accomplish much. And then in Romans chapter 4, verse 33, or verse 3, it says this, that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. What did he do? Did he work? Go to church a lot? Read his Bible a lot? To become righteous? Did he tithe a lot to become righteous? It simply says that Abraham believed God. He believed God. He believed God's word. And because he believed in God's word and was obedient to that word of God, that he became righteous, that God imputed to him a righteousness. 
So that when we talk about righteousness, it's not what we do. It's what he's done. That's how we obtain our righteousness, by putting our faith, simply by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I promise you that if you do that, as you're, you're faithful about following God, then your prayers will be answered. Now, the answer is not always yes. And it's not always no. Sometimes it's like wait. But when we think about the most righteous person that we ever, the world has ever known, we think about Jesus. Remember just a few hours before his death that he was in the garden praying. No, no sin, sin, the sin, sinless life in the garden praying. And he says, Lord, if you're willing, if there's another way, he's talking about the cross. He says, if there's another way to do this, please, Father, I'm asking you, please do it. If there's another way to do this, please. It's like begging God. I'm begging you, God. This is Jesus talking to the Father. He said, if there's another way to do this, please. But if there's another way to do it, your will be done. And we know that that prayer of Jesus was not answered. There wasn't another way to do it. There was no other way to do it. He had to go to the cross to die for our sins so that we could become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And in doing that, we have an open door that we can go in and out. We can boldly come to the throne of grace. We can boldly ask for things that we need in life. I could, I could sit here for an hour and tell you about answered prayer in my life from those that have been very near death to financial struggles that I've had. Uh, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, and I, don't, I, I want to share this story, and I don't want to make this about money, but God is concerned about your finances as well. But I, I was involved in a project, and I thought I'd had all my numbers together, and... Uh, I started paying my bills, and there was something unexpected that came up. I was just out of the blue, part of this project. I was $60,000 short, and I needed that money. And I was telling Nina, I said, I mean, I, I, mean, I need the money. And I don't need it tomorrow. I need it today. And, I, you know, I just, she and I were just like in the kitchen having coffee, and I'm just like, you know, not even on my knees and poured out my heart. I'm like, God, I need $60,000, and I need $60,000 right now. And about an hour later, guess what? $60,000 shows up. It's just out of the blue, just out of the blue. Now, I want to tell you that, you know, coming to God, I mean, but he's you know, it's not just about money. I mean, as I said, he's concerned about your finances, but he's concerned about you. He's concerned about your children. You know, it's concerned about the way that they're walking. It's concerned about the way that you're walking. Concerned about your job. There's no issue in your life that you're concerned about that God is not concerned about because he's concerned about you. And what bothers you and what troubles you is on his heart as well because he loves you. But I'm telling you, you can't have it both ways. You cannot live in sin and, and expect God to answer your prayers. He just won't do it. You're cut off. You're separated. It says, Isaiah 59, 2 again says, I won't hear. And if you want to, I mean, if you want the blessed life, 
And if you want the best life, you get a right relationship with God. And I'm telling you, your life will fall in order. Things will fall in order. We were, uh, I was talking about this lady, and uh, I had a, a guy that uh, I uh, uh, had an opportunity to spend some time with this last week, and he started telling me about his life. And I wanted to take a nap. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't want to take a nap, but he, I mean, he's, you know, he just, he started telling me about the loss of his grandfather. And as he started talking, he walked away and he just goes kind of like this. I thought he had a sinus problem like I did. And uh, he's telling me about the death of his grandfather. He talked about the divorce of his dad. He walked away and, you know, just kind of like this. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Then he told me about the divorce of his mom and dad, the death of his dad. And by this time, he wasn't walking away. I mean, tears are just streaming down his eyes. They told me about the job that he had had for 12 years and just shows up to work one day and the boss tells him that he's fired. No job for him. And by now, the tears are just really streaming. And I'm listening. And I began to share with him, you know, that, I mean... This guy had a lot of, you know, just a lot of bottled up hurt in his life. And I believe that this guy, honestly, I, I think that he had a right relationship with God. I believe that, uh, you know, uh, no obvious sin in his life. Uh, I mean, all of us, as I said earlier, struggle. But somehow he couldn't release the hurt that was in his life. And the hurt that was in his life was really holding him back so that he couldn't really be effective for the Lord. And see, that's what God wants in your life, that when you're obedient to the Lord, when you're listening to his word, that God can use you. And I was able to tell him, I just said, look, you know, you've, you've got a lot of pain. You've got a lot of hurt in your life. And I just encourage you, don't waste your pain because there's going to be someone that you meet that's just like you, that's lost a father, lost a grandfather that they were very close to, that's gone through a divorce, that's lost a job, just things that come out of the blue. And, you know, it seemed to, you know, it just takes us by surprise, but it doesn't take God by surprise. And if we'll just call out on the Lord, call out to the Lord in those times and those situations, you will give God the opportunity to work in your life. And that's what he did. He was just like, I don't know why this is happening in my life. I don't know why I, get, I got fired. I mean, he wasn't like a unreliable. He seemed like a faithful employee. Uh, but just out of the blue, you know, I mean, life can change on a dime. I mean, just in a moment, life can change for you. A telephone call, you know, uh, that's like Nina got a couple of weeks ago. Your husband's been in a wreck, uh, and it's serious. But life can change on a dime for all of us. But the Bible says that a righteous man will not fear or be afraid of evil tidings or evil news. You just go to the Lord. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. But you can only do that. You can only go to the Lord if you're living the kind of life that God wants you to live. 
not living in rebellion, not thinking that you, your ways are better than God's ways. But if, you, if you're living the kind of life that God wants you to, you can come to him and God will not turn his way, ear away. The Bible says that God will not neglect the cry or the prayer of those that are afflicted. He will come to your rescue. He will come to your aid. I'm going to stop right there. There are two points that I just believe that, that kind of go with this message. That you've got to have faith. And you've got to be obedient.